0: Hey everyone, my name is Sarek Austin, and this is the Meet Your Neighbor Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to explore the lives of everyday people and what it is they do for a profession. Along the way, we might discuss pop culture, music, sports, fashion, maybe even politics, but the goal is to really learn more about your neighbor and what it is they do for a living. Hopefully, while listening, you learn something new and maybe even get inspired to do something that you've always been passionate about. Thanks in advance for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Meet Your Neighbor podcast. I'm your host, Sarek Austin. And today I have a, another special guest. Um, this is a gentleman who um, I actually had a chance to meet over the summer um, at a basketball game, Ice Cube's Big Three, and then again at a, at a basketball camp um, in Brooklyn, and hands down one of the nicest people that I've ever met in my life. Uh, but I'll give you some quick background on him. Uh, when he was college freshman at LSU he set the NCAA record uh, for freshman uh, points per game by averaging 30 Um, in 1993 he won the NBA's most improved player award um, shot 90% from the free throw line for his entire career scored a career-high 51 points against the Utah Jazz and John Stockton Um, he also scored 32 points against uh, Michael Jordan's Bulls back in 96 and he is a member of the Three-Headed Monsters in Ice Cube's Big Three League. Um, I'd like to welcome and introduce Mr. Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. Thanks for having me. Man. Thank you, thank you for, for taking some time out. So we actually just finished up meeting with a group of our student leaders on campus, um, and they all asked some great questions. And then I have a little bit of time to um, interview him one, one-on-one. So I just had a few more questions. Um, so uh, you guys can, can stay tuned for those. So the, the first question I have for you kind of deals with your, your college recruitment process. You, uh, you came in averaging 30 points a game your freshman year. Um, not many uh, times that you see someone scoring like that. Um, but what was the, the college recruitment process like for you uh, as, a, as a highly recruited um, athlete?
1: Well, I had a tumultuous uh, experience. Um, I haven't talked about it a whole lot. Um, I had some guys that got involved in Mississippi that were trying to sell my services to Mm. the highest bidder. Okay. And I didn't know anything about how things work, but I knew that I didn't want to get in trouble. Okay. And so, uh, make a long story short, uh, you know, LSU was one of those teams. I was number one guard coming out in the nation, so colleges from all over the nation were, were, were trying to recruit me. But I just. For whatever reason, fell in love with the assistant coach at LSU. Okay, uh, he made me feel like that—that uh, that he had my best interest at heart. Uh, we had about a thousand hours of conversation. Hardly any of them had anything to do with basketball. Okay, but uh, going—you know—finally getting to LSU, it was—it was one of those situations with Fess Irving. Uh, he was a McDonald's All-American. He was going into his sophomore year. Uh huh. He was, uh, I think, a first team freshman or something in the SEC, and Dale Brown told me when I got there, he said, well, Fess is no longer here, why? Um, because his father and him came into the uh, office, and they said, well, we know that at the time my name is Chris Jackson. Right. He's coming to town, and we just want to know if my son's going to start. If not, we're going to pack our bags and go somewhere else, and Dale you know, Dale doesn't like to be strong on him. Right. And he said, well, you might as well pack your bags. Wow. And I was looking actually to compete, to play for on the same position. team. So yeah. it kind of opened the door for me. Like I didn't have him as competition, even though you, you never underestimate you know your opponents. And the door was just wide open for me. And I remember after that first game, I had about 13, seven. And I remember telling the journalist, well, my career could be 13, seven, that's decent. Right. But of course my vision was bigger. Second game, I had 21. That's when Dale stopped me at the uh, locker room and said, listen, we need you to score more. I said, I'll try. And after that, it was 48, 36, 53. And I said, man, I'm pinching myself the whole way. Yeah.
0: Well, so it's interesting that you, you mentioned that because so when I was in high school, I, I um, used to subscribe to Slam Magazine. Mm-hmm. And I remember they did an article. Uh, it's funny that I even remember this from, from that long ago. But I remember reading an article about you, and it said, and you can tell me if this is accurate or not, but it said after your third game when you scored that 48 points that you were afraid. Like, you're like, this is coming too easy. like I'm, I'm too, I didn't think I would be this good. And, and it said you contemplated quitting basketball. Is that? It?
1: Well, I didn't contemplate quitting in, 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 in that scenario, but I, I definitely was terrified because I'm like, man, like, like you just said, I said, this is happening too fast. Yeah. I mean, I had confidence in myself, but I didn't know I was going to be doing that. I'm doing some of the same moves that I grew up doing in elementary, junior high, that I've been working on all of, all of that time. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I'm gonna get hit by a car, a plane gonna crash. And that night after Florida's game, hitting 53, one of the worst, at that time, one of the worst experiences that I had on a plane, man, thunder and lightning, it was like moving all over the place, dipping so I am like, man, I knew it, I knew it. And I got home, when we finally landed in Baton Rouge, I was, man, so close. To going to Dale Brown and saying, Listen, I want to play, I want to make it, I want to be able to provide for my family. But man, I'm wondering if I can just play home games. I don't <laughs> want to fly no more. Wow. But I knew I had to like dig down and say, You know what, man? Something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, like that reverse psychology. Right. Psych yourself back up into it. And I, I fought through it and just kept on playing. But man, it was. It did make me think about that.
0: <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I played <laughs> basketball, I certainly was nowhere near as good as you. Um, But I can only imagine what you may have been thinking after putting up those kind of numbers.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Well, something else that I read about you in that article, um, it talked about you having Tourette's.
1: Yeah.
0: um, And it said that you, it it made you, I guess, almost a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a part in the article that said, you know, when you would tie your shoes, if the laces touched too soon, you would start all over. Or if you were working out, um, you know, doing basketball, shooting drills. if it went in let's say you had to make ten before you left the court if you mm-hmm. made ten but one of them went off the glass or you know the net didn't make a certain mm-hmm. sound you would start all over mm-hmm. um, do you think having Tourette's helped to push you to to get to where you are got get to where you got to be at that level or do you think not having that you still would have been had that mentality or, or that mindset
1: man you know what I definitely believe uh, 100% that Tourette's uh enhanced what I did. But do I do I think that I would have had a chance of making it without Tourette's? Yeah, because I'm just I'm just I have that personal drive. You know, if it's something that I want, I want it. Right. But and I and I worked hard. But Tourette's just added more to the, it it just pushed you more and I always tell people the phrase that I normally use because they say man if you if you had the opportunity not to have it would you I said i probably opt to keep it because I see the pros and cons mm-hmm. but I see more pros than cons and I said you know Tourette's took me where I myself wouldn't have gone without it okay you know so when I when I stopped training an hour and a half two hours and little Chris Jackson was ready to go Tourette's would like pull no no you got to do it this way now Okay. And if you don't do it this way, I'm gonna make your life miserable. So now you got to put in ta ta ta, and you got to do it full speed. Right. And it's got to, like you said, it's got to be a certain way. If it don't feel right, even on the dribble and the move, it don't count. I can I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. So definitely it enhanced it.
0: Um, so going back just a little bit, you talked about um, that recruitment process and um, not wanting to get in trouble. Now you see just within the last week or so you get two high profile college um, athletes uh, chase young who plays for ohio state he's a defensive lineman Mm -hmm. and uh, i can't remember the gentleman's first name i think it's jason wiseman that plays Mm -hmm. at memphis Um, both of them were facing suspensions from the ncaa Um, chase young accepted a personal loan from a family friend he repaid that loan and then the ncaa was going to suspend him for four games like what do you what do you think about college athletes who are earning millions of dollars for their universities but you know, can't have a job or you know can't accept a loan that they repay um, without facing some type of penalty from the NCAA.
1: Modern Day slavery, uh, as Dale Brown, my, my coach, who's a white guy from North Dakota, he, he says the same thing. He said slave owners, he said the pimps, the NCAA, he said because you have these, look, the trade-off ain't even close when you look at athletes coming to universities, they're making millions. Mm-hmm. They, a lot of them come from socioeconomic backgrounds like my own, right. families don't have much. Right. And you're promising them the opportunity of a degree or the opportunity of getting a good job. And even when we look at just being African-American or how that looks on paper, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are oftentimes the last ones right. to, to, to get opportunities. And you look at how the job market is so saturated now. It's, it, it's so many jobs are being sent overseas, sweatshops for cheap labor. You know, so it's 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 the off ain't even close. Right. You're making yours now, while injuries, whatever, possibility you don't get your degree. Right. And so I, I I think it's I think it's criminal. They're making money off you. They're sending their children to the schools. Mm-hmm. Right, they're living high off the hog, so to speak, and and here it is, you're you're at campus. They're selling your jerseys, the paraphernalia. You know, you're traveling, you you you're running up and down that court. I, there's no way an athlete. And then those universities, who those sports programs are bringing in millions upon millions. If it were in, in some ways, if it wasn't for those sports programs, they also wouldn't be able to provide. A lot of paid scholarships right. for people, right. and so yet everybody's benefiting, but the athlete. But the athlete, you know. So I think it's I think it's criminal. I think it should be abolished. You know, I think and, and not come back with something. Oh, we we'll give you two, three hundred dollars either. Because that's not it. It's pennies on, the, a, a, on pen, the dollar. Pennies on the Less dollar. Less than. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't like it. I, I don't like it at all. I think they should be able to earn a living. If you go overseas, they have sports programs where these and you know, these young people are. Because technically, man, at that you know, at that level, you're a professional.
0: Right. If you're working you, like a professional. If,
1: if you can offer me this to play basketball, if you can offer me the possibility of an education to play basketball, I'm a professional. You know, I'm a professional. So, you know, add to that. Right. You know, make make sure I'm taking. And you, you probably find a lot of guys would maybe a lot of guys would stay a, an extra year. So, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Where, so I know you have um, like when I went to your uh, when I took my son to your camp, um, I saw your son there working out. Does he have aspirations to play and you know, what what are you thinking once he gets to that, that college level and um,
1: he, he certainly has aspirations to play. Um, it's, a, it's a different era yeah but um, I try to talk to him about the importance of work ethic, the importance most equally if not more important, you keeping your character clean. And, and at its highest, staying out of trouble, okay. being intelligent, because basketball is just a tool. When it's all said and done, but if, if that day comes, you know, because I've gone through it mm-hmm. and how I feel about it, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not opposed. If I'd have known what I knew then, I would have got paid. I would have got paid, man. And, and that's one of the things that made me leave. Mm-hmm. Going home, I'm going into my mother's house, the refrigerator's empty, I'm eating three meals a day. I go into the bathroom, I'm washing my hair, the sink falls through, the house is, 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 in a sense, not the best house, raggedy parts to it. And here it is, I mean, i am got heat and air, I'm eating three meals a day, and my mom and my, my younger brother here suffer. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, no, man, that shouldn't be that way. So I'm not I'm not opposed to guys getting what they can. And and it definitely the system should change. So I, I talked to him about that. And I would be one of those parents. Yeah. That make sure like education is fine, I appreciate it. And even now, from what I hear, the educ it's not the way it used to be. Then when I signed, your four years were guaranteed. Now it's a year to year.
0: Wow, I didn't, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, they say it's a year to year contract. So if you sign someone and if that person doesn't produce can't perform the way that they thought your 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 scholarship is no good i didn't i was See, not when i was that. coming up it was four years regardless if you stunk or not you got your four-year deal now it's year by year wow so even more so now they should get paid
0: right right wow yeah i wasn't i was not aware of that mm-hmm. um so I'm gonna. I know we have to get to a, yeah. another um, another part of the campus soon, but I had a few more questions for you. So a lot of people are aware um, that in 1996 uh, you made a stand to not stand mm-hmm. uh, for the anthem, not acknowledge the flag due to um, political and mm-hmm. uh, religious views. Mm-hmm. Um, at that time, you know, you really didn't have anyone doing anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it, is it safe to say that, that pretty by you taking that stand you were blackballed by the NBA and that kind of put an end to your career? And then the second part of that question, um, everyone knows that Colin Kaepernick um, mm-hmm. took a similar stand a few years ago. Did he reach out to you before he uh, made that choice to, to kneel for the, the anthem?
1: Well, to answer the first question, um, for the longest I would try to avoid saying that I was blackballed because that's the easy go-to when something happens. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would say, you know what, it just doesn't make sense what happened. But as I began to really analyze how things played out, you know, me not standing, because the NBA is very, you know, these corporations are sophisticated. They, they know there can be legal ramifications right for being just blunt. And But what they did was interesting, and it's the same thing with Kaepernick. They... Uh, your minutes began to decrease. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because there's a network. Uh, teams don't want to touch you. Uh, the, even when I was going through that process where I was the number one, I was the top free throw shooter in the league. And that year, right after that flag, I go, they trade me to Sacramento. When I get to Sacramento, usually when I don't play, it's like, hey, why, why aren't you playing? I'm right. in my prime now. Right. And... So you had just
0: like, what, like 19 a game that, that season? Or?
1: Right. You know, so and then I think that's coming off of 50, 51 and all of those. You know, the season was on its way, right? And now all of a sudden, I'm not playing, and you don't have a handful of journalists interviewing me, right? You even had Tom Janovich who was the coach for Houston at the time, right? Uh, uh, someone told me, we went in and said, man, why, why isn't Mahmoud playing? When we come to Sacramento, we form our defense around, around him. him, right? So you start to see the writing on the wall. And then they did a special, top free throw shooters in the league. I didn't. I wasn't even shown. It's like wow, this yeah. is. And so you start seeing the pattern, and your minute starts to decrease because now it's a, well we don't know if he has it anymore. And so the same thing happened to Kaepernick. So this is how they do it. So it's easy to write you well, uh, and then they come back and they offer you something that's disrespectful. Right. And and so this is the way they did it. And so do I think so? No question. No question, I, I think that, but they were sophisticated in how they went about
0: yeah, it. Yes, it's very clever. Mm-hmm. Um, oh and, then and,
1: and and Kaepernick, um, he didn't re- he didn't reach out to me. Some people that we know, mutually know uh, reached out. And our uh, first meeting was, I maybe mean, it was some years ago, when he was still with uh, San Francisco. Okay. I met him in uh, the Bay Area. Okay. Uh, we, we talked for maybe an hour, hour and a half. None of us gave advice. It was just having a conversation, just talking, sharing information. And I'm always, when it comes to African-American athletes in particular, I always shy away from advice because there's this notion that, well, he doesn't have a mind of his own. Somebody had to tell him what mm-hmm. to do. He couldn't think for himself. Right. So when, when I went in and he went in, it was just talking. I, I wasn't going, hey, man, look, it's this is a suggestion. Look, I got some advice for you. Right. This is, no, I don't. If there's something I say to resonate, take it. If it don't, don't take it. And that the whole conversation was like that. It, it went very well. Okay. So
0: a couple more questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. Switching gears just a little mm-hmm. bit from that. Um, you played against some amazing guards in the NBA. Mm-hmm. You know, it was Tim Hardaway, another one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stockton, Iverson, mm-hmm. Rod Strickland. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's mm-hmm. underrated. Um, oh, they- uh, who else? Uh, Mark Price. Mm-hmm. I'm from Cleveland, so mm-hmm. I was a Cleveland Cavaliers fan yeah. growing up. Mark Price was tough. Um, what was your mindset? Just trying to get into that to the mindset of, of an uh, NBA mm-hmm. uh, player. But what was your mindset going into those games when you're playing against these these top guards? Was it like, all right, well, they made an All Star team, but let me show them, you know, mm-hmm. who I am, or let mm-hmm. me show them what I can do. Um, you don't strike me as a person that. Would fear any opponent, Mm -hmm. Uh, but you know what? What was your mindset going into to those games against those top guards, and did you have that same approach against you know a guard that wasn't as gifted as say an Allen Iverson or or Tim Hardaway?
1: Yeah. Uh, Put it simply, the mindset was: when the game is over, you want him, the team, and the whole arena to know that. That uh, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, you you can't be touched. Okay. That it wasn't even your objective. Not that it always ends up that way, but your mindset is that when it's all said and done, you want everybody that was watching that man that wasn't even close. Okay. You know the the, the competition. He he gave it to him. Uh, uh, or if you know Rod say, have 20, you want to have 30. Okay. You know, you always want that edge. Um, and, and and to be dominant. And you got to go in with that. And and, and there's always, you know, you're always pulling from different motivators. Because we all have things that make us tick, man. And and, and I would just, you get your mind right, you just start looking at a person, not necessarily to them and mean mugging, but in your mind, you're viewing them in a way, whatever, whatever gives you that edge, whether, man, they 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 try to rape your mama you know they they did this and you going in you shaking their hands but in your mind you like in order for me to get justice i gotta annihilate you tonight okay as a result so you always pulling from because it's a long season mm-hmm. you know and so my mind was all over the place man when i stepped on <laughs> it. they don't know how i was looking at them <laughs> but even though i'm smiling but i'm looking at you like this is between you and me eating this is life or death
0: right <laughs>
1: that that mentality reminds
0: me so much of, of you know one of well my favorite player mm-hmm. uh, Michael Jordan oh man so kill him I, I remember him uh, saying things like or you know, he looks for for ways to motivate himself oh like I remember there was a game I think it was like 97 Van Gundy said Jeff Van Gundy who was the coach of the Knicks at the time said Jordan tries to befriend everybody um, in the league so that um, yeah, they soften, kinda you up. soften him up and then he goes out there and kill them. Well, Jordan heard that, and in the next game, he gave him like 50 points. And I, this is, you know, back in the VCR days, so I recorded this that's game. Right, that's right. And uh, I remember late in the game, like fourth quarter, he hit a shot and then just stared at Van Gundy. Like didn't take his eyes off of him. Van Gundy ended up turning around, but that right there reminds me of of what mm-hmm. you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking for ways to to motivate yourself. Yeah. What was that like? Um, do you remember that game where you where you scored thirty against that that Bulls team in ninety
1: six? Well, I remember. I remember they said Jordan was uh, trying. To, uh, they, they had put Jordan at the point uh, and trying and he was starting to guard point guard. Uh
0: huh. I remember that.
1: And he had went to. I, I don't know the other guard, but but one of the guards I remember prior to coming to me. I think there was two, or so, uh, prior to coming to us, and Stoudemire had lit him up. He was tough, too. Yes, that was tough. And there was another guard that got him. And I'm like, okay, he's coming to Denver. And I'm the third one on this trip. I don't want to be the oddball. Right. You know me. I, and and you, you already have in your mind, I'm going, you got to go at this person, whoever they are. Right. Like you said earlier about whether you're Jordan or whether you're a, a low-tier guy, so to speak, quote-unquote. Right. <laughs> you still want to go at people and, and leave a message. But that one, that that was on my mind. I'm like, man, I don't want to be the oddball. You know, he comes here, and I don't want to be. Oh, you know what I mean. Mahmoud didn't. Uh, he got the best. Um,
0: so I think. Um, I don't know if that was the same season. That may have been the next season where mm-hmm. where uh, he ended up guarding Iverson, and you know, Iverson did that that great crossover. No, I think, on him.
1: Oh, you know what? That's a good one. When did Iverson come?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I want to say. It was like 96 or 97 where where that happened. Oh, really? Um, But, uh, oh, I just lost my train of thought. I was going to ask you about um, Oh, so um, who was the toughest matchup for you?
1: Rod Strickland. Rod Strickland? You know how they say in uh, uh, boxing, styles make fights. Right. And Rod wasn't no, like, Steph Curry with his shot, you know, uh, um, Mark Price, you know. But Rod, man, was so crafty with that ball. He had such hesi- a great handle. He had that hesitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was crafty with the ball, and he can finish. One of the best finishes you, if ever. You, if you give him the shot, now anywhere, free throw line, extended, whatever, boom. But you give him the shot, he still, he find his way to the rack, man, and then and we had good games against each other he, right you know, i may have 25 he may have 22 he may have 28 i may have 20 but he was one that man you just he always with his herky jerk his handle <laughs> always kept you kept you uh on guard
0: now i read i think i read somewhere that that he's um kyrie irving's yep. godfather yeah.
1: which and that and makes he, sense and, like yep. yeah and, and trained him mm-hmm. you could see it
0: yeah for sure like and i i would say since Rod Strickland, Kyrie is probably one of the best finishers that I've ever seen. I like, love that dude. He, I mean, he just, so a buddy of mine from, from college, a um, buddy of mine from college is um, an assistant coach with the Cleveland Cavs now. He, um, I went to a little Division two school in Michigan called Northwood University, mm-hmm. so I played there. Wasn't that good. <laughs> but mm. this guy was good. His name is Sam Jones, Sam Snoop Jones. But he, um, I interviewed him earlier this year, and he was telling me about like, the things that he saw Kyrie do in practice, and it was just just amazing. And he said, but a lot of it was also just like fundamental stuff. So that once he got to the game, he always had a counter for his counter. Like you stop I, this, he, I got a counter. Oh, you stop that, I got a counter. Counter yeah. for that counter. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, definitely one of the one of the players that I love watching. Two more questions for yeah, you. Yeah. Who do you love to watch? Or uh, well, let me back up. Do you follow the NBA closely now? And then, if so, who do you like? To watch,
1: I don't follow the NBA closely, but I do like watching certain players. Okay, I mean, and he—he's one of them. I love watching Kyrie. I—I I, like—I uh, like watching Curry. I like watching uh, Chris Paul. Yeah, I like I love Chris uh, Paul too. I like—I like, I like uh, Durant. Um, okay, let me stop uh, you. Uh, Lillard. Lillard. Oh, he's oh. tough. He's tough.
0: Yeah, I like him. Yeah. That three that he hit to end the series last spring. Man. Um, so just. I've had this debate with with friends multiple times, Mm -hmm. but um, what did you think, just from a a competitor standpoint, and I I talked to another friend about Mm -hmm. this recently, but from a competitor standpoint, what did you think about Durant's, Durant leaving OKC
1: (laughs) to go to Golden State? You know what, man, I I have mixed emotions. Uh, I don't know all the details of what was happening in, in, uh, 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 what's that? Uh, The Thunder. At the Thunder, sometimes, man, organizations uh, people that you that you're playing around uh, you just don't feel comfortable you just right. don't like the environment so I don't know all the details <laughs> but there's a part of me though at the same time you're Kevin Durant and you have so much control and power you know you could if you want you can get rid of people right. especially in this age mm-hmm. you could do it when I was coming up but especially in this age Right. with the type of clout that you have and you can Demand, look, bring some people in. If you really love the area. Mm-hmm. So a part of me is like, it's that thing too when you just got beat. And it's that pride, like, no, nah, I'm not about to go to the team that beat me.
0: That's exactly how I feel. I'm,
1: I'm not, mm because one is just personal. Mm-hmm. Two, secondary from that is how it looks. Right. And they, they were winning. Mm-hmm. They could have. They were up 3-1. They could have
0: beat. Y'all couldn't get one game, one game, one game. <coughs> one I, one game. Four quarters. I have, I,
1: I have to come back. Exactly, exactly. I have to come back. So look, man, no, no, we, 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 we got to come back. So that part of it is. It's, it's, we just didn't, as a as a rule, when we would come and I know it's different eras, different
0: personalities. And that's what someone told
1: me. And so with me, if you're asking me how I feel, if I have that type of power, even if it's some people that I don't like, I'll first go try to talk to the man. Mm-hmm. i say, look, man, you know, I like it here, I want to stay. We got to make some changes if you're gonna keep me, okay? Because I'm really trying to win, and I think this, this, and this. If if that was the case, right? But if it was a case where you know, what I mean, you, you're you're saying things for public consumption, but really you don't like the people there, you don't want to be there. as hard just to wake up every morning and be there. Right. I can understand me but still going to the team that beat you. I have to. Antonio, I want to go somewhere else. Cleveland. <laughs>
0: Somewhere that has salary cap space, I, but not the team that beat you. Exactly. If you, we're playing one-on-one, now you, ten times out of ten, you're going to kill me, but I'm still going to ask you one Let's more play time. Again. Let's go. Because uh, at look. some
1: point, I'm going to catch on.
0: Yeah.
1: If I don't, then oh well, to it. I'm going to just have to, you know. Look, man, at least I, you went
0: I, out knowing that you gave it everything that you and had. And if you
1: want to play me again, I'm going to play you again exactly. as long as I can do it.
0: It, it would have to get to the point where you're like, look, Sarek. Man, we, we enough, can't man. Do, exactly.
1: Yeah, I ain't playing you no more, man.
0: <laughs> Just going home now. Go home.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: All right, I know I said I had two more questions. Now these are li- literally the last two. No, you're good. Um, I'm asking this question for my, my old roommate in, in college. He mm-hmm. said, ask Mahmoud what he thinks about MJ and what he thinks about Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas was his, his favorite player. So quick quick uh, clip on, on what you thought about those two guys.
1: Oh, man, I love both of them, man. Uh, Isaiah, pff, Isaiah actually his numbers when he came into the league at the same time Curry was in the league, mm-hmm. and this was hand-checking error yeah. And somebody pulled it up one time. Isaiah's numbers were more impressive scoring, boom boom, than Curry's.
0: Wow, I've never I looked tripped, at that. And I love looking at stats.
1: I tripped out, and, I, and they said, "Well, this hasn't been." Isaiah did it when there was hand-checking, and a lot, and they weren't no. Laker, no. Yeah, they weren't running, running, gunning. Uh, right. uh, uh, no running, gun team. Right. Wasn't shooting a whole bunch of threes. Mm-mm. I was like, man, I, I didn't know that either. I, so I mean, so Isaiah, man, I, man, Isaiah was that dude, man. I got <laughs> handles, gotta, can shoot, tough, can finish, can finish, play defense,
0: get people involved, and didn't take anything from anybody. That's what I loved about no, him too.
1: Just mental and physical toughness. You know, and see, Jordan, Jordan just a killer he, he don't care what you think he going at your throat yeah
0: now okay so another quick one so I read a, another article probably the same one that I read before but it said you played him one-on-one at a camp yeah and you beat him
1: well it was it was two possessions and I didn't know initially uh, he, he brought me out uh, he he gave me the ball he said young fella I want you to come at me with everything you have and I'm gonna try to stop you. so okay and I gave him a jab step, took off left, scored on him. And he was literally, I mean, you, he was trying to swipe that out. <laughs> but I ran through the layup. I didn't go up. I ran through it and took something off because he was like right on my heel. Yeah. And then he gave it to me again. I crossed. I mean, I went through my legs, crossed over, and laid him up on that uh, on the other side. And he asked me for the ball back, and he told me to go sit down. <laughs> and so that was that was the gist of it. So he didn't keep playing
0: did you do you think you remember that when you you know once you got to the league like oh it's the same kid or
1: oh do i think he remember that yeah. uh, i i don't know if he did I, I know that coach brown called him from his office one day because i was trying he was trying to see possibly where i would go if i put my name in the, uh, the draft and, mm-hmm. and uh, he he called jordan uh, to give me some advice right and I can remember talking to him then and I don't even know if, sometimes you talk to people man say can you talk to this young guy right and you just don't remember because you talked to so many people right so I don't know if he remembered or not but I did I remember in the conversation in in the office uh, and he basically just said look man when you decide to make a decision uh, don't look back and 100% go for it okay and, and uh, I definitely remember that, that high school thing. Yeah. Oh, that was high school? That's that was how, high school. Wow. It was high, I was at the Nike camp. Okay. I was either going to 11th grade or the 12th grade.
0: Oh, man. That would have made my life. Oh, man. My, my basketball life. That would have no, made my it, basketball it, life. But,
1: but, it, but it made me work harder because I'm like, man, if I'm doing this and that was it, and, and literally it was easy. I said, man, this is easy. I said, what is doing like that? I'm on to something. Right. Whatever I'm doing in my training, it's working. Yeah. I, I got to even... Amplified and pick it up even more so it I mean it motivated me on a whole another and especially when you know You know he was trying right I mean he. I mean he was like and his recovery time I mean he was coming to try to get it each time. I'm like oh
0: wow i'm on this <laughs> yeah well, i'm glad you stayed on that path
1: yeah
0: all right so i know we got to get going okay. this is my last question mm-hmm. um and the student leaders that we met with just a little bit ago kind of brought that up but about a week and a half ago yeah. um and this is kind of going back to you being an activist and mm-hmm. you know speaking out and and not being afraid to stand up for, for what you believe in but about a week and a half ago on our campus we uh a video surfaced of a student using racial slurs, mm-hmm. um, and many of our our students of color. Well, actually, all of our students of color were upset. Administrators, everyone was upset. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was gratifying to see our student leaders, um, student leaders of color, come together mm-hmm. and organize this protest um, to speak out against what um, what they felt was wrong. Being someone that that did that same thing, what advice would you give to Anyone who sees an injustice or sees something that they should stand up for and speak out against But maybe they're afraid or they're hesitant because of what may come afterwards. Is there any advice that you you want to give? For someone in in a situation like that,
1: you know What it kind of goes back to what I said in terms of basketball How you have to we all have things that we pull from to motivate us? Mm -hmm. And you have to find out what makes you tick what means a lot to you what what can compel you like if you think about your mother, if you think about that happening to your daughter, mm-hmm. you know, personalize it, you know, and, and and you know, I'm big on mental imagery. You know, a lot of times I'll sit and I'll think of things to the point where you can actually feel it. You know what I mean? And so when you get to that point where you you you're carrying these things with you, they become a part of your life. Like uh, you're thinking about these issues, it's like we become so desensitized. Mm-hmm. And like even when we think about death, right? Somebody dies. It's like, oh man, you heard Ahmed died? Oh man, from God do we come to, and God shall we return. Man, I, I, I hope, you know, God have mercy on his soul, and I hope his family's taking okay. Man, you wanna go shoot some pool later? Hey, you wanna go to the thing? We don't look, think about how that's gonna affect Ahmed. How did he have a wife? Did he have children? Was he the sole breadwinner? Did he mm-hmm. have insurance? How his mama's gonna be impacted? How? You know what I mean? We don't look at that. We don't look at life situations like that. And so one thing I would say is, man, really begin to think these things, analyze them, uh, uh, personalize them to where you feel them more. But also surround yourself around people because we find strength in numbers of people doing the same thing. Right. You know, so if if they've done studies that if I want, if you're not in shape, you want to get in shape hang around people that's in shape. If you're not smart, hang around smart people. Right? Why? Because there's a lifestyle that comes with it. There's a language, there's a pattern of life that they're constantly the living that got them to that point. So if you want to become a social activist, if you want to stand up for justice, hang around those people daily. Okay. The more you're talking about it, the more you're getting your hands dirty, at some point, eventually, you're going to develop more strength, right? And through your understanding and personalizing it and being in that group, you're going to develop strength to say, you know what, man? trick this read those stories constantly and that's power and in information the more the more we read you you saw how passionate they were in terms of how 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 aggressive and passionate they were when you start talking about basketball right but when we not but they were more relaxed you're talking about social justice right flip that absolutely why would we get passionate but why here we're all and i'm not saying that you're not passionate but And maybe I'm making sense. Making I'm not. No, no, it makes perfect sense. But these are some of the things that I'm constantly. I do it myself. You know, I'll look at something. I'll look at images because I used to do that before games. I would take videotapes, the message, Lion of the Desert, Battle of Algiers, and I would and I and I had clips of certain wars that were taking place in Chechnya, and they were showing children, uh, people's penises being cut off, and and necks cut off, and blood and shot, and I would look at that before games. Mm -hmm. And I would just, man, and I would go because I couldn't be in those places and whatever, but I would go into those games, and I'm looking at that opponent like you're the reason why they're going through what they're going through. In order for me to get justice, i got to annihilate you tonight. You know, but that kept me focused, kept me attached to what was happening, and kept me hungry to want to at least even to keep it in my heart and my mind to want to do something about it. Right. You know, so those are some of the things I do. Uh, And... Yeah, man. And if if people are religious, not everybody is, man, you know, just put your, I know it's easy to say the number, the more you start doing stuff like that and detaching yourself from these material things, Mm -hmm. because like an old pastor said one time, he never heard of a U-Haul on the back of a hearse. You can't take any of this, with you? So sometimes those are the things that prevent us, because we're too attached to what people think. I'm attached to, I don't want to lose my job. I'm attached to, you know what I mean as opposed to oh man God is the best provider right so I'm going to do what's right Yeah. You know, of course you want to be smart but sometimes in our trying to be smart too smart we end up not doing anything
0: right you know because we yeah. think we you think sit there thinking we think and no action
1: hard. just like a person going to school well, I'm going to go to school for eight years I'm going to study study I'm going to get all the knowledge before I do something before I really get out there that's almost going to assure you you're not going to do anything because you'll never know everything right as you get knowledge, you move, and then God will show you the rest. That, that's me. The little knowledge you get, share it. Try to implement it. And as the more you do, doors begins to op- Doors begin to open, and you get stronger. You get more knowledge. You do. That's, that's, don't wait. Right. do sit on it. Right. Yeah.
0: What was that quote? And we'll, we'll close out with this. Um, you, I can't remember it verbatim, but you said you had it in your kitchen. Um, George five.
1: Washington Carver. Uh, No one has the right to come into this world then go out of it without leaving behind distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through
0: it. I'm going to print that out and (laughs) put it in my kitchen. I like that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mahmoud. I I really appreciate it. Um, I know our students appreciate it, being able to meet with you. Um, Thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you gained something from this uh, podcast, and uh, we'll be in touch soon.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, man.